42, Psalm number 42 this evening. I greatly appreciated that uh, that update and presentation and the meeting of Jones family and what a wonderful song and, and spirit and it's just encouraging to know uh, some of the, the rest of the story, a little bit of what God's doing and, and uh, amazing to hear that. That's phenomenal. So uh, I never thought I would say that, but we need, we need what Russia needs right now and what a, what a blessing to see what uh, how the Lord is moving in the midst and Thankful for this church. Thank you for your pastor. I love your pastor. I've known him for many years now, as we mentioned, all the way back in uh, Bible college. And I remember this church. It was 2005, I believe, and I came here as a an evangelist for Truth Alive. And we had a wonderful week, and the Lord really moved in a, a great way. And I'm just glad to be here tonight. I was praying, on, really, throughout this week on what to preach on. And the Lord kept bringing this passage to mind for me personally. And uh, it's been something the last few months that I've really taken and used in my heart and life. And I just want to be a help um, to fathers, as, especially this evening. And uh, with that said, I just want to extend my uh, happy Father's Day to, to all of you, but especially my father that's here tonight. And uh, as many of you have known, we spent some time in Rocky Mount at the Nash Hospital. He was septic and uh, spent um, really I mean, 40, 50 days there in uh, Nash Hospital and uh, they weren't even giving any prognosis on, on help or recovery, but God stepped in, answered prayer, and uh, he is, uh, praise God, he's recovering and uh, is healing tonight, and it's just a miracle. I'm thankful I got my dad uh, for, for many more years. I prayed for 15 years. I prayed the Hezekiah prayer. I said, Lord, you gave Hezekiah 15 more years, so I guess you have the 87, so we need to make the time count. Psalm number 42 tonight, and uh, let's all stand if you found your place. Psalm number 42, we're going to read it in entirety. And then I'll point out a few things here from the Word of God. Psalm number 42, verse 1, the superscription says to the chief musician, Maskeel, for the sons of Korah, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God, with the voice of joy and praise, with the multitude that kept holy day. Verse number five says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Now look down to verse number 11, if you would. It sounds very familiar, very similar to what we just heard. Verse 11 says again, a second time, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the help of my countenance. You notice that? We praise him, verse 5, for the help of his countenance. And the help of his countenance is the help of our countenance, and he is our God. Now, for a third time, look at Psalm 43, verse number 5. Verse 5 says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. If something was said once, we should pay attention. If it's repeated twice, we should listen up. Three times, there's a special instruction, and I believe it's this. I believe we find some help tonight for fathers dealing with depression and anxiety. I believe there's help and there's healing when it comes to times of depression. Did you see that? 
Why art thou cast down? There's the word depressed. Why art thou disquieted? That, that Cast down, depressed, disquieted, anxious. Here it is. Hope thou in God. For I'll yet praise him. For the help of his countenance, who brings help to my countenance, because he's my God. Our Father, tonight we come to you in the name of Jesus, that name that is above every name. Lord, I pray that you'd speak through me, speak in spite of me. I pray that your word tonight would be exactly what it's promised to do, and never return void. That we with meekness will receive the engrafted word, not just be hearers but doers. And I pray tonight that you would use me as a vessel just to teach and preach your word, to inform truth, and then to call for a decision that only you can do of transformation as we are yielded to your spirit. Lord, I pray that you would, even now, just bind up the broken hearts, that they would, you would give a spirit of praise for that, that praise, garment of praise for that spirit of heaviness, Lord. I pray that you would give that tonight to many this evening or in times in the future when we feel down or we feel anxious give help for those that are hurting in jesus name we pray amen and amen thank you for standing and may be seated for many years this psalm was only something i knew from the first three words as the heart in fact we would sing it we would sing it in church we would sing it in uh, different camp settings as the deer panteth after that i never had an idea of what the, this psalm really meant. Of course, I knew about the deer and the these and the, uh, the Lord working in the midst and worshiping him no matter what. But as I begin to study this psalm, uh, it goes a little further. Did you know that this word, as the heart, this word heart uh, speaks of a deer, uh, but not just any deer? Uh, this is particularly in your Bible, in your King James Bible, you'll find the word for deer. You'll find the word fallow deer. You'll find the hind, which is the female deer. When the heart is being used, it's specifically speaking of a leader of a male deer colony, particularly a, a male deer, a strong deer. You know, David's the king of Israel. If he's the writer of this psalm, and he's letting us know this. Even the strongest of the strong go through some downtime. Even those that you would think of as leaders and those that are taking steps and, and you would expect to have it all together, sometimes they're the ones uh, that, that really don't. You know, I think you may have the idea that your pastor and pastors and preachers and missionaries, you know, they float down from heaven on a Sunday morning or special services. They sing and they, they kind of float back up. If you know me, you know that's not even close to being true. Uh, but, um, you know, the idea is we get hurt. It's hard. And fathers, sometimes you've got to be the dads that kind of keep it all together. You know, the dads are the, that glue, that bond, that, that's the strong one, the, the husband, the strong man. And sometimes we get this idea... That we, that we need to pretend that we're not hurting, that we don't get depressed, that it's weakness to feel anxiety or depression. Nothing's further from the truth. Here's David who's hurting, and he says, hey, this heart, even the male deer gets thirsty. Even the male deer is hurt. I don't know how many hunters are in the house tonight. How many, how many of y'all hunt for real, all right? Any hunters here? Okay, we got one in the back. So you're going to very, Rebecca, you're a hunter. You hunting the man? No, I'm kidding. All right, that's all right. But uh, just all right. I had to, I had to do that. Uh, forgive me. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, we you got hunters, fishermen, things of that nature. And I'm, I'm a terrible fisherman. I'm a terrible hunter. I do my hunting down at the food line. All right, I go for the. I, I try to find a good deal there on some meat. But the times that I've gone hunting, which have been very unsuccessful, and I like backpacking in the woods, but I just don't like standing. Who wants to climb a tree stand at three o'clock in the morning? Put all that stuff on you to kind of, I won't go into detail, <laughs> get rid of the scent, uh, and, uh, and wait for a glorified goat. And uh, it's, it's not something I look forward to do. Uh, 
But those that go hunting, and the time that I've gone hunting, uh, I've noticed something kind of unusual. Uh, I remember one time we, we a, a stag or whatever you want to call it, a heart came out, big old heart, and we were aiming for its heart, the heart of a heart. And so I, I remember I aimed, I took aim, and I said, "This is going to be the, this is my first kill. I'm going to go home and I'm going to brag about this." And I was so excited, and I took aim and I, I, I looked right through the scope, and and I was just out in Colorado, and they 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 have uh, elk hunting out there. And it's really like elk harvesting. There's all the elk out there. There's so many of them you can just shoot and hit somebody, but uh, or something. And so, in my case, I probably hit somebody. But I, I was just right. I was right aimed, just just right, and I shot the deer, and it fell down. I thought it was me. It was the person beside me? I'd hit a tree somewhere. But he had shot that deer, and I said, "That's good. It's we're done. Let's go. Let's cut the head off and whatever we need to do, and take this meat home and make some jerky or something." And he said, "No, no, no way. No, 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 no. I, I missed it. I missed the heart. It's very interesting. That deer was seemingly dead. Have you seen this? Have you seen this? All of a sudden, it was like resurrected. It walked up, started getting close to it. It popped up on his feet with adrenaline and began taking down the." So what in the world happened here? This is why I can't kill a deer. You can't keep it down. And we started chasing after it. And the man that shot the deer, who knew what he was talking about, let me know this. He said, when you shoot a deer, if there's any strength left in it, God has designed that deer to head somewhere. You know where they're going? They're going to the brook. They're going to the brook because it's at the brook where the wound and the blood and the coagulating coldness cools the wound and it heals that that blood flow stops it. It's at the brook that the enemy can't track. You can't track a scent at the brook. It's at the brook that they're safe from harm. They're healed. They get nourishment. They get strength. They get the water that they need. They're, they're parched. They're thirsty. They're tired. They're hurting. They're wounded. And the deer knows instinctively that it needs to get to the brook. Okay, my message tonight is very simple. Dads, get to the brook. In times of discouragement, in times of sin, in times of struggle, in times of disappointment, we need to get to the brook. How do we do that? Psalm 42 gives us the answer. You notice in Psalm 42, verse the superscription gives us the key to the text. The word is maskeel. It's a transliterated Hebrew word that's translated in your Bible as sing ye praises with understanding. Did you know this? That every time you find a maskeel psalm, the Ashtakaith psalms speak of deliverance, the maskeel, 13 of them, have special instruction. That's why there's repetition. They're singing. They're singing to each other. They're teaching each other through songs and admonishing one another. And the instruction repeated three times is this. You can put this in your Bible, how to. It's a how to. How to get to the brook. How to defeat depression and anxiety in your life. And it's very simple in the text. Did you see it? Why art thou cast down? Why are you depressed? He's talking to himself. Counseling world, we call this self-talk. Sometimes there is negative self-talk. You know, I've I've experienced that. Sometimes when you are depressed and anxious, you you have a tendency to talk to yourself. Maybe I'm the only one doing that. Once when I was hunting down the food line, I was going through the line, and the lady was cashiering me out, and she was beeping it. She struggled with the barcode, and uh, I, I wasn't paying attention, but I was thinking back to something just foolish I had done that day, a mistake I made, and I just said out loud, "That was that was really dumb." And I was talking to myself. You know how hard it is to explain to somebody who's offended by what you just said that you really weren't talking to them, you were talking to yourself. And <laughs> she was not very happy with that. But I realized that my anxiety and my depression, my situation at that moment 
uh, that I was talking, and I had a habit of doing this, just kind of beating myself up. You know, just kind of speaking, like, how dare you? What's your problem? That was dumb. You know, I realized that David or the psalmist, whoever wrote this psalm, the Spirit of God, the record of human experience, tells us that sometimes we need to biblically instruct ourselves. He is speaking to his soul. We are spirit, soul, and body. Spirit is that bears witness with his spirit. We could say that's spiritual. We could say many different parts of this. The spirit and soul are so similar. It's the word of God that, that, that was the one that cuts and divides asunder. But, but the soul, we could say, is emotional. You heard of soul food? Soul music, that's the emotion. And then there's the body, that's the physical. David's addressing the part of him that was designed for spiritual communion. We could say this, the part of him that's up and down and all around, the emotional part of him. And he pulls it together when he's down and he's out, and he says, soul, why are you Soul, why are you anxious? Now, here's the difference in modern psychology and biblical truth. Modern psychology would have David sitting on the couch. Hey, David, why are you depressed? Well, did you know about my daddy? My daddy didn't care about me. He put me out to wash the sheep. Even when Samuel came by, he didn't call for me, and I was out there with fighting lions and bears, oh my, by myself. And then Goliath and Saul, Saul, the anxiety and the struggle. You see, it's not a why of what happened and remained there. It's an action step. What to do about it. Let me illustrate. Every Thursday, I know about Rocky Mountain, but every Thursday in Wilson is trash day. If I go home on Wednesday night after service, and my wife asks the question, honey, why is the trash not taken out? She's not looking for a three-point sermon on hindrances of trash disposal. She is prompting an action. You see what I'm saying here? Why art thou cast down? Why are you depressed? Why are you disquieted within you? Here's the masculine. Hope thou in God, for I shall yet or still praise him who is the, for the health of his countenance, who is the health of my countenance, and he's my God. Do you have a healthy countenance? Or do you have a spirit of Eeyore tonight? Good morning, Eeyore. Hey, good, Eeyore says, good morning, if it is a good morning. You know how you can get a healthy countenance? You know how you can get joy back in your life? You know how you can get some help from the Lord? Get to the brook. How do you get to the brook? Glad you asked. Here's the masculine. Two things. Get a hold of your mind. Get a hold of your mouth and put it on Jesus. You see that in the text? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? I'm glad it doesn't stay there. The masquil, the answer, the action step, the trash being taken to the curb to be removed is given. Hope thou in God. That's your mind. You know, we use the term hope to I wish it would happen. We use the term hope like it might happen or maybe happen. Did you know that biblically the word hope is not a might so, maybe so, it's a no so. Biblically, hope is the, the helmet, the helmet of salvation protects our mind. To hope is not to know the bigger picture, it's to know there is a bigger picture. That there's a God up in heaven who has allowed this and he has brought this into place and had you in this position not to destroy you, but to develop you. To hope is to know that God's got a plan, God has a purpose, and God's doing something about the hope that's the anchor of the soul. Jesus is our hope, the blessed hope. Every day we could see him today. Hey, the best is yet to come for a Christian. Dr. Garner Rice was talking to a lady, and she said, how are you doing? She said, fine. 
under the circumstances. And you say, well, what are you doing down there? Realize that a Christian ought never be under the circumstances. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Hey, that's easy to preach behind the pulpit. But when you're down and you're out, fathers and your dads, when you're discouraged and you're anxious and you feel like just wallowing in that misery and letting the trash stink up the house, it's time to take it out and hope in God. It's time to think on these things, Philippians says. Finally, brethren, my dad had to remind me of these. When I was a kid, I used to love all the murder mysteries and all the crazy things that were going on. And I would would find something in the news, and I would just say, hey, did you see that murder last week? And my dad's like, stop talking about that. And he had me memorize Philippians 4, verse 8, when I was a kid. He said, you need to write this above your bed, because you're just kind of one of those those characters that just kind of turns it. And finally, brethren, what sort of things are true? I'm like, well, dad, it's true. What is it honest? Is it just? Is it lovely? Is, is it good report? If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. What does Paul say? The things that you've, you've seen and heard and me do, and what? And thy peace shall be with you. Scripture says in Isaiah, thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. To hope is to know that God has given us exceeding precious promises and to take God at his word and to live not beneath the circumstances but above the circumstances more than conquerors I'm not saying you're faking it or being phony I'm not saying you're just you're just pretending I'm saying you're meditating upon the word of God so powerfully and personally that God's word is real to you and it's the strength and encouragement of God's word and the word that's alive and quick and powerful sharper than a two-edged sword that reaches between the spirit and the soul and what you feel you don't do but what you know you end up acting on. Friend, that's how you make it. I think about John Bunyan. He was in a prison. He was a Baptist preacher arrested for his faith, and as he spent time in prison, he he began to reflect upon the things of the Lord, and he wrote Pilgrim's Progress. My dad owns a Christian bookstore on Wilson. Growing up, he had a Christian bookstore for many years, and he would pay me a dollar for reading biographies, so I, I tried to read as much as I could, and I read Pilgrim's Progress about 14 or 15 times until he I think he kind of picked up on that I was reading the same book, writing little biographies, but I think he did it intentionally because in Pilgrim's Progress, to me as a kid, I didn't quite understand it, but now it is a perfect picture, an allegory of the Christian life. You think of the story. There's Christian leaving the city of destruction, and where is he going? He's headed to the celestial city. And along the way, he meets different characters who influence him different ways. There's pliable when they get to the slough of despond and pliable is pliable and he goes back to the city of destruction and he goes a little further. There's worldly wise men who tries to lead him astray but then he meets some good characters that keep him going. Faithful. Remember faithful? He's faithful. In Vanity Fair he gave his life as a martyr for Jesus and and then he meets hopeful and hopeful is the character that's with him for the rest of the journey. And hopeful is with him and there, did you know the story, the Christian gets down bypath metal. Have you ever been there in your life? Just you're off track just a little bit. Maybe it's been a while since you've been in God's Word. Maybe it's been a while since you've had the joy of the Lord as your strength. And he gets off bypath meadow. Maybe you're off that meadow and something distracts you. Maybe just chase that rabbit, you know, down the road. I've been there before. Get distracted. And then you, you, you get in a place where you, you, there's a storm. And there was a Christian was in a storm. And then as the story goes on, giant despair. And his wife, diffidence, despair and I don't care show up. Have you been there? And they bring him to Doubting Castle. I mean, it all fits in right now. 
And there's Christian in Doubting Castle in despair and diffidence. Has, they have one goal for him in Doubting Castle, to take his life, destroy him. There as he's wallowing in misery that he realizes that he has a companion that God has given him named Hopeful. And he has a key around his neck called Providence. And he takes the key with his companion that God has given him, Hopeful, by his side. And he unlocks the gate of Doubting Castle. And he escapes the clutches of despair and diffidence. Hey, 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 I've needed that in my life. I don't know if you've been off bypass metal. I don't know if you're in despair and I don't care. I don't know if you're in a place of even in doubting in your place of destruction. Hey, maybe it's time to realize that there's hope that's always with you. Maybe it's time to realize that there's a key of promises in God's word, 365 promises. One for every day you can claim by faith in walking in his word and trusting his word will unlock the gates of Doubting Castle and will take you all the way to the celestial city. See, first it's our mind. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. Now notice, secondly, it's your mouth. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance. And my God. You know that that phrase, who is, you could put that in pause. And you just think about God. This year our theme at our church is that I may know him. And in our, our net class, in our Sunday school class, we're going through the characteristics and attributes and the names of God. And as we go through it, you know, God is. Listen, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how bad your day is, God is always good. It doesn't matter how difficult life feels like and what's happening. It doesn't matter how bad you are. God is was holy. Listen, God is love. God is, God is peace. You understand today that there is a holy God. There is a loving God. There is a perfect God. God is omniscient. He knows all. God's omnipotent. He can do all. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. God is who is immutable. He's unchanging. He's the friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Hey, it doesn't take long before you think about who God is as you put your mouth upon him, as your, as your thoughts affect your mouth, that you begin to, friend, lift yourself out of that depression and anxiety. Someone said this, pray and praise when you feel like it, pray and praise when you don't feel like it, and pray and praise until you feel like it. Hey, maybe it's time to get your mouth and your mind on the Lord Jesus Christ. Scripture is very clear about praising him, praising him out of that depression and anxiety. Aren't you thankful as you think about the testimony of Paul and Silas when they were in the they were in the Philippi and they were beaten and left in stocks and, and there they were imprisoned and falsely and as they were placed in that place of despair, you would imagine that Paul, after being beaten and Silas, after being bruised, would have been singing the blues. But instead, what did they do? They prayed and sang praises at midnight. And what did God do? There was an earthquake and their bands were loosed. Hey, maybe you're on locked up and locked down. Maybe it's that depression, that discouragement just has you bound. It's time in your midnight hour to get your mind off yourself and your situation and get it on the Lord Jesus Christ and magnify him. You say, well, I'm not a very expressive person. I'm not saying it's an emotionalism. I'm not saying it's just you going into this or that. I'm not saying you have to be expressive in a corporate assembly. But somewhere, someplace, it's going to be you and God and you magnifying him and praising him for who he is. Worship is falling down in reverence. Praise is getting up and praising. I'm telling you, friend, sometimes you've got to praise yourself out of it. There, there's been times of difficulty and discouragement in my life, and I've had to get to my truck, my F-150, old blue, and I've had to pull in and get some gospel music going and just praise the Lord. There's continual praise. 
comforting praise. The psalmist is discouraged. He says, I remember the good days. I remember going to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise. Do you remember what it once was to know him and have joy and have peace? Let me ask you a friend, if there's ever been a time you've been close to the Lord, ever been a time you prayed more, ever been a time you praised more than you are right now, friend, you are in locked up, locked down, discouragement in the clutches of despair and in need of revival. Because that's the very definition of being backslidden, being further back than you once were. David says, I remember those days, the holy days. I remember the good times. He said, now, I just, my tears have been my meat day and night. I'm just crying and I can't keep it in. He says, uh, they're going to continually say unto me, where is thy God? All the pressures, all the discouragement. Hey, listen, it's time to get our mind and our mouth off our problems and off the problems of this world. I hope the conversation afterwards keeps on talking about souls and not talking about a war. My wife realized that I was bent towards this way. I used to watch a certain news network and get all bent out of shape. My wife would say it's a no news network. Why? Because if we're not careful, we can get in depression and anxiety just by thinking about something or talking about something, and pretty soon we're in that place that we need to get out of. And that way of escape that you may be able to bear it, friend, is to hope in him and to praise the Lord. How are you doing? Are you at the brook? Hey, maybe today you're going through that difficult time, and it's a time of discouragement. It's a time of difficulty. It's a time of, of darkness. Hey, hey, friend, can I just be transparent with you? If you're a dad here tonight, we go through those times. And it's not a time to keep it all in. It's a time to let it all out for the Lord Jesus Christ and cast all your care upon him, for he careth for you. It's time to find some accountability. At our church, we have a threefold cord program of we share questions and accountability and when I started the group I said well I don't, I don't know if I want to get in this group it reminded me when three men got together and one said my sin is lying and I lie all the time another man said my sin is lust and I lust all the time third one was strangely quiet I said what's your sin he said well it's gossip and I can't wait to get out of here and I thought about that I was like I don't want to go in a group like that but the Lord prompted me to go in this group and now it's I think the sixth year we've done it not consecutively but we're back at it we've got about 30 groups right now i believe active at it question number nine i thought i had the victory over in fact i used it as a testimony in talking about the group and question number nine has tripped me up every time would you like to know what it is have you murdered somebody no i'm kidding it's not that's not that's not it question number nine is this have you allowed any person or circumstance to rob you of your joy. Every time I think, well, yes. <laughs> yes. You know where the problem is? I'm trying to find my joy in people where my joy is the Lord. See, if you're trying to find your joy in your friends, you're going to be discouraged and anxious. If you try to find your joy in your finances, you'll be discouraged and anxious. If you try to find your joy in your peace and your hope, in your situation, you'll be discouraged and anxious, but if you find the joy of the Lord, that's going to be your strength. It's time to get to the brook. It's time, maybe tomorrow, when some difficulty happens, not to hold it all in, but to get to the brook. To get to the brook where you think about the Lord, submerged in his truth, saturated in scripture, meditating upon his word all through the day. Time to get to the brook when you feel like complaining and feel like griping and gossiping and whispering, get to the brook of praise and start magnifying Jesus 
in lifting him up, finding yourself in the, the coolness, finding yourself in the healing of his presence. 2014, we had a lady come to our church and shared this, I believe, with Pastor Willard. It was a difficult time in my life. She came in. She had very serious issues. She came forward and very clearly, it was very obvious that she was possessed with some sort of demonic spirit. It was more than a mental disorder because we saw some manifestations of things happen. And I didn't take um, exorcism 101 at Pensacola Christian College, and so I didn't really know what to do. But I went into the Romans Road, and I said, for all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. And she's going, yeah. And I said, but the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God. And I said, the gift of God is she could stand it no longer. The demonic spirit began to move and manifest. I'm not saying moving deliverance, but we didn't know what to do. We started going against this, and I started realizing unless they're saved and born again, they're, they're never going to respond. Because we kept trying to cast out and do whatever we could just to get control of the situation. You can't get control. It's only the Spirit of God that can make the difference. And there were demons happening. There was movements. My mother was there in that room at that time. And we were there praying for her, trying to help with her. We came on Thursday, and it was a dark time. But you know, after that situation, there were several months of, of severe oppression in my life. Can I be transparent with you? Thoughts that came across my mind that I had no idea where they came from. Can I be transparent? Destructive thoughts, self-destructive thoughts. Can I be transparent with you thinking there's no hope, thinking I'm just going to give up and this, there's no reason to be in ministry, there's no reason even living, it's just a terrible, miserable time. And they were sent from the devil, they were thoughts, fiery darts from the devil, I believe tied to that circumstance and that oppression in my life. You know what helped me get through that? It wasn't a miracle drug. I'm saying depression and anxiety can involve healing, can involve medicine. But spiritually, what helped me most was to know that there's a God who's in control. And to really know that now. Maybe a thorn in my flesh has been allowed to drive me to the cross. You want to help me? It's magnifying Jesus, the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus. You want to help me and has helped me make it through times of discouragement and difficulty, hoping in God praising him for the help of his countenance. Maybe tonight you're going through a moment of oppression. A moment of depression. And I challenge you tonight, get to the grip. Take your mind and your mouth and focus it on Jesus Christ. He is holy. He is perfect. He is just. He is good. His word is true. He is coming again. And one day we'll live eternally with him in heaven. It will be worth it all. Submerge yourself in the healing power of his presence. Promise to you. Submerge yourself in the truth of who he is and what he's promised to do. And then praise him for a little while. Maybe tonight you just need to find you a spot and just praise him. Matt, when's the last time you had a conversation about Jesus? Magnifying him, lifting him. To be honest tonight, as the deer, sometimes the deer comes especially with the heart. Sometimes those that are strong are the ones that think they can hold it all 